are you? Thank you. I am extremely, I'm extremely honored to be here at Kingsgate and all the locations. They, I just say welcome. We did meet uh, Pastor Dave and Karen years ago, and we just, like you probably did, just immediately fell in love with them. Sometimes you meet someone and you think, this must be my brother from another mother. I, I just, I know this guy somewhere. And our relationship has, has grown and, and deepened, and uh, we love you. And I want you to understand, um, Kingsgate has a reputation in the body of Christ uh, as a church that's forward-thinking and more uh, kingdom-minded than many churches, and doing something beyond just what God's doing here as your local church. And, uh, you're, a, you're an apostolic church, a pioneer church in the kingdom, and we are looking to you to bring revival to all of the nation, the continent of Europe. Just so you know, just no small thing, just <laughs> we're looking to you and other churches. And I really believe that we need to enlarge our vision. Whoever thought years ago that we started Gateway Church in our home, that Gateway would be a church to the nations now and do what God's doing with us. But there are, there are many, many, many churches that God wants to use in a national and an international way. So I want you to really raise your horizon of what God can do uh, through you as a church and through you as to whatever part you have to play in the church. Um, my wife, Debbie, is here. I'm not going to ask her to stand because I'll show a picture in just a moment. Um, I always get in trouble and ask her to stand. She's, she does not like the platform at all. Um, some of you understand that. Some of you say, I don't mind being on the platform. Some of you think, I'd rather go to the dentist and have a root canal be fine with me <laughs> than be on a platform somewhere in front of people. So, um, so but my, Debbie and I have been married for 37 years. And um, now, I, I know what you're thinking. When I said that I have been married for 37 years, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Robert, you're way too young to have been married for. Please, isn't that what you were thinking? Okay, all right. So you're right, because Debbie and I got married very young. Uh, it was the biggest event of fifth grade. And so, um, but we have three grown and married children. Uh, so let me show you a picture of my family. I brought a picture of my family right here. This is my family. Um, so Debbie and I there in the middle, my two sons are kind of above Debbie and me and their wives beside them, their children, my daughter on the far right, um, uh, kneeling, and then her husband behind her and their three children. And they actually have one in the oven. So, um, so we have another one. So we have eight grandchildren and, uh, the ninth on the way. And it, it, to give you something to look forward to, if you don't have children, uh, grandchildren, um, grandchildren are better than children. <laughs> Any grandparents in the house, would you agree with that? They're much better than children. I mean, I'm telling you, grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your children. <laughs> so, so the next time, you know, with your child, I mean, they just drive you crazy, don't they? When you, you just feel like just, just hold on, because there's a better one coming along. <laughs> And you can just play with this one and just hop him up on sugar and send him home to get revenge on your children. 
Uh, so it's really, really good. So, okay, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 13, or click to Exodus 13, or however you read your Bible. I did notice that I really love this, that they do the um, message notes for you, where it's just a little fill in the blank, and the scriptures are on here. And so, if you're taking notes, I'd like for you to, to fill, these, fill this in, write, write down notes today. If you're not taking notes, I'd like for you to fill this in and, and write, write down things today that the Lord speaks to you. All right. So, I want to share with you a message. This is the most important message that I can share with believers. Obviously, the most important message on earth is that Jesus Christ is God's Son, and, and it's a free gift of salvation. But if you're a believer, this is not the most important message. Please let me hear my clarification. It's the most important message I can share. So this is, as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, this message has done this more to set me free and help me. And we'll talk about finances some, but it's really not about finances. It's about the heart. It's about the, a, a flip, a something happening in your heart that changes everything in your life. And it changes your marriage, your family, your, your um, destiny. Um, it changes your legacy, changes everything. And it's called the principle of first. That's the title of the message. The principle of first. It boils down to when God is first in your life, everything can come into order. But when God's not first, nothing can come into order. Nothing. Now, that doesn't mean when God's first, you have no problems or no issues. We live in a fallen world. Nor does it mean um, if God's not first, that just everything's going to go wrong. It, it is, we're talking about a divine order or a blessing on your life and everything you put your hand to, even when you go through difficulty, okay? So, we're going to look at some Old Testament um, Scripture and see the principle behind the Scripture. Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate. Now, that's a, a big theological word that means set apart or even kind of set to the side, set, set over to the side for something specific, for a specific purpose. Set apart to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both a man and beast. Now, now look at these three words, please, carefully. It is mine. Um, I, I wish I could tell you how emphatic the Hebrew language is, these three words. And it's actually one word in the Hebrew, um, mine. My, it, it's property. It's legal um, ownership, it is mine. The firstborn belongs to God. Now, again, remember, this is a principle that God is showing us, and He's setting up the whole New Testament with principles in the Old Testament. So, what does that mean, the firstborn belongs to God? All right? So, we'll talk about that. Then look down at verses 12 and 13. That you shall set apart, remember I told you consecrate means to set apart, set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Again, this is a word that is um, akin to the word we saw before in the Hebrew, belong, shall belong to God, shall be the Lord's property. Verse 13 gets a little what I call Old Testament-y. You know, it's a little like, hmm, I don't know if I quite understand that, but just hang on and we'll explain it. Verse 13 says, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with the lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck 
I just want you to notice, please, that if, if you don't re- redeem it or, or return it to the Lord because it belongs to Him, you're going to lose it. So if there's something, and we're, let's just clarify it as finances and the tithe. If there's something that belongs to God and you keep it in your bank account, you're going to lose it. It must be returned to the Lord because it belongs to Him. So again, we'll, we'll apply and show you the exact scripture on that. But just remember that principle that if you don't return it to the Lord, you shall break its neck. You're, you're going to lose it anyway. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, so here's point one. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. So the word there to fill in be the firstborn. The firstborn must be, not should be, could be, might be, would be kind of a good thing, something to consider, must be sacrificed or redeemed. But here's a, a very important question. How do you know which? How do you know whether sacrifice it or redeem it? You know, like if you have ham and eggs for breakfast, um, uh, eggs is like an offering, ham is like a sacrifice. Okay, never mind. Um, <clears throat> sometimes that joke goes over, sometimes it doesn't. So I probably can make a note that uh, that's a bad joke. Okay. So how do you know which one to do? How do you know whether it's sacrifice or redeeming? Okay, so God gives two animals that are exemplary of classifications of animals. The donkey is exemplary of the classification of unclean animals. A lamb is exemplary of the classification of clean animals. So what he's saying is, if you have a clean animal, you have to sacrifice it. If you have an unclean animal, you have to redeem it. In other words, purchase it back from God like the donkey. You want to use it for your fields or something, but it belongs to God because it's the firstborn. So you have to buy it back with the sacrifice of a clean animal. So let me say that one more time because it's important what it represents. If you have a clean animal, a clean firstborn must be sacrificed. A clean, an unclean firstborn must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what in the world does that have to do with us today? Well, remember, everything in the Old Testament is as uh, an example to us, 1 Corinthians 10 says, verses 6 and 11, and it's written for our instruction. So how is this an example to us? Okay, let's talk about Jesus for a moment. Clean and unclean firstborn, all right? Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. But was Jesus born, now think about spiritually speaking, was Jesus born unclean or clean? You can answer me out loud, all the locations. Clean, right? Because he was born without sin and he never sinned. He kept the law, paid the price for us, became the perfect spotless lamb of God. Okay, so Jesus was born clean. Here's the second question. What about you and I? Were, were you and I born, spiritually speaking now, clean or unclean? Unclean because we were born with a sin nature, right? We, we have a bent toward doing the wrong thing. We have to be born Again, the Bible says. As a matter of fact, I could prove this point by asking all the experts here, the parents, did you have to teach your children to be bad? (laughs) Or did it come naturally for them? Right, because they're born with a sin nature. So we have to teach our children to be good. So all of us were born unclean. Jesus was born clean. Remember what I said. The clean had to be sacrificed. So the unclean could be redeemed. Listen, Jesus, the clean, had to be sacrificed so that the unclean, you and I, could be redeemed. There it is. 
Here we are reading in Exodus 13, and there's Jesus right there, see? But this represents the tithe. I'm going to show you how later this represents the tithe or our, the first 10% of our income. But here's what I want to say about it. It breaks my heart how people that really don't understand this subject have, have spoken negatively of it. Maybe you've never seen it this way, but Jesus is God's tithe. The reason is you don't wait uh, and pay all your bills and see if you have enough left over to tithe. It's not the last 10%, it's the first 10%. You give it in faith that the other 90% is redeemed then out of the curse of this world system and can be blessed by God. But it has to be given in faith. But in the same way, God gave Jesus in faith. He didn't wait to see if we would clean up and straighten up. He gave Jesus when we were mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross so that we would believe. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God committed his love toward us. He loved us first before we loved him. So please don't speak negatively of the tithe. Because it represents something more than just an offering to the church. It represents a principle of first with God. And the principle is all through Scripture. God said, when your sheep has, has ten lambs, give me the first one. Well, that takes faith to give the first one because you don't have the other nine. He didn't say, wait until your sheep has ten and then give me one of them and you can give me the one that keeps getting in your garden that you don't like. He said, give me the first one. When Israel went into the promised land, he said, give me all of the silver and the gold from Jericho. Why would he say that? Because Jericho was the first city. He said, if you give me the first one, the rest will be blessed. What happened when they kept some of the first city? They lost the second one until they returned it to God because it was consecrated, set apart for God's house. That's why God calls it stealing, because he set it apart for his house. This is all through Scripture, and, and I believe it so much. I believe this so much, and I've seen it. This is 35 years I've been preaching this stuff now. I've seen people's lives completely change. I believe this so much that I've told our church, you tithe for one year, and if you are not fully satisfied at the end of that year, I'll give you your money back. That's how much I believe it. I've said it for years. I'm telling you, I believe it so much, I'll tell Kingsgate, you tithe for one year to Kingsgate if you're not fully satisfied at the end of that year. Pastor Dave will give you your money back. <laughs> well, thank you. It's been great being with you. And uh, my first and only time at uh, Kingsgate. Okay. My, my uh, son, you saw a picture of my son-in-law and daughter. He came and, and got permission to date her and I set up guidelines for him, and by the way, he followed all the rules. That's why he got the prize. Um, so, um, but we had a normal, normal meeting. You know, I interviewed him, talked about when he accepted the Lord. I showed him my gun collection. You know, normal things uh, that a father would do with a meeting with a prospective son-in-law. But anyway, um, he began dating my daughter, and one day after the young adult service, they're just standing right down like in front of the pulpit here talking, eight or nine of them, and they got to joking about what it would be like to date the pastor's daughter, you know? And uh, one of them said to my daughter, you know, your dad is so strong on tithing, I bet he even checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. <laughs> and my daughter said, he does. <laughs> and I did. 
Well, let me ask you a simple question. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? And, I mean, if he'll rob from God, he'll rob from anyone. And, and, and I know that sounds offensive, and I really don't mind if you get offended. I wish you wouldn't, but I really don't mind if you get offended. But don't get offended at me. I'm not the one that said that. You really don't have a problem with a pastor that preaches on tithing. You have a problem with God. Because no pastor invented tithing. Check it out. God invented this. And then you might say, yeah, well, that's Old Testament. But why did he do it? That's, I'm asking you why. What's the principle? Why he told his people, give me the first 10%. I can tell you why. Because he wanted to be first in their lives. He wants to be first. And it changes when God's first in your life. And I'm telling you, try it. As a matter of fact, God said, it's the only scripture in the Bible where God said you can test him. Check it out. It's no other scripture except the one on tithing in Malachi where God says, test me. Test me. Bring the tithe into my house. Test me. This way we'd say it in Texas. I double dog dare you to test me. So, point number one, firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Point two, the first fruits must be offered. The word here is first fruits. The first fruits must be offered. They must be. God commands it. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your possessions. It's as simple as it can be. That's your possession. That's what you own. And with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. There's always a, a promise when we do this. And your vats will overflow with new wine. Proverbs 23, 19, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring, please notice the word bring, into the house of the Lord your God. Please notice the words house of the Lord your God. Not a television ministry, not a missionary. Where do you go? It's to the house of God. The tithe comes to the house of God. Now we give offerings over and above to, to missionaries. Missionaries, is that better than missionary? <laughs> missionaries. We give offerings, I'm trying, <laughs> over and above, but the tithe comes to the house of God. It's, and this is not just one scripture, it's all over. The tithe always comes to the house of God. But he says, I want you to know this word bring. God never uses the word give when he talks about tithing. He always uses the word bring. The reason is you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can bring it. There's two, you have two choices in Scripture with the tithe. You can bring it or you can steal it. Those are your only two choices. When I was in college, one of the students asked one of the professors, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's? What a great question. And the professor said, you know, I, I really don't know. I, I think that's uh, an amazing question, and I really don't know. And I thought he was just very honest and transparent while, you know, giving his answer. Later, as I re- found this, this truth about firstborn and firstfruits, remember, we just found out the firstborn belongs to God and firstfruits belong to God. We're to honor God with that. We're to give the firstborn and the firstfruits back to God. Okay, so... Here it is. I'm going to read it for you in Galatians 3. You will see exactly why God accepted Abel's and didn't accept Cain's. You'll see it. It's very simple. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. And in the process of time, note those words are very important. In the process of time, in other words, it just sort of happened. It came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it specifically does not say first fruits. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected, or in Hebrew this word could be received, with admiration. 
received Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Did you see it? It's pretty clear, isn't it? Cain's a farmer. He doesn't bring first fruits. Abel is a rancher. He brings the firstborn. God accepts Abel's offering. He doesn't accept Cain. Here's another way to say what Cain did. Cain gave what he wanted when he wanted. Sound familiar? How many believers do that? Pastor, I give as I feel led. Do you love your wife as you feel led? Because Scripture says to love your wife as Christ loved the church. So you don't love your wife as you feel led. You love your wife as the Bible says. Is this okay if I talk straight to you? Are you okay with that? That means you don't give as you feel led. You give as the Bible says to give. And all I'm saying to you is just try it. Just try it. It's amazing what God does when you do it his way. So let me explain something else to you about this. It's not just that God wouldn't accept Cain's offering. It's that God couldn't accept Cain's offering. When you begin to study theology, you... You learn some things. There are some things God can't do. I remember the very first time that a professor ever made that statement. I thought, oh, I'm now hearing heresy because God is God and God can do anything. No, God cannot do anything because he cannot act outside of himself. In other words, he can't act outside of his character. I'll just give you a few examples, but one example is God can't lie. The reason he can't lie is because he is truth. So it's not just that God won't lie. He can't lie because he is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. I am the truth. Okay, so let me tell you some other things God can't do that will shock you, and they're a little bit humorous, all right? Um, One is that that God uh, can't change. Malachi 3, 6, very clearly, I am the Lord, I, I change not, I do not change. But why can't God change? The reason God can't change, uh, it's called the immutability of God. That's the theological word. And the reason God can't change is because God's perfect. Let me say it another way. If God could change, he could get better. And he can't get better because he's best. So he can't change. Uh, Let me show you something else God can't do. And this is uh, kind of funny to think about. God can't think the way we think. He can't. Uh, the, The theological word is the omniscience of God. comes from two words, omniscience. Omni means all, science means knowledge. God has all knowledge. That means he knows everything. The reason God can't think the way we think is because God already knows everything. Uh, Let me say say another way. When we think, we're actually trying to figure things out. God is not trying to figure anything out. Okay, let me say it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what I just thought of? (laughs) I just thought of something I've never thought of before. He's never said that because he knows everything. Here, here, this will really blow your mind. Think about this now. Think about it this week. God knows everything at the same time. Now, that might not have hit you then, but if you think about it this week, you'll trip a breaker. God, God knows everything at the same time. That's how smart he is. So, and by the way, the scripture where, where it talks about God's thoughts actually prove this doctrine. Here's what it says. Remember, you'll remember, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think like you. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Okay. So, there are some things God can't do. So, why couldn't God accept Cain's offering, but he could accept Abel's? It's very simple. 
Because God can never be second. He can't be. This is called the preeminence of God. God is higher than all, first of all, before all, above all. He's preeminent. God can't be second. We, we say things, and this, it's a really good saying, put God first in your life. And, you, and we should. That, that is a choice God gives us by an act of our will. But let me just say something to you. If God's not first in your life, he's still first in the universe. You did, your life didn't change his order in the universe. Your decision. He's first. So when Abel brings firstborn, God says, yep, I accept that. Cain brings an offering in the process of time. It came to pass, and it wasn't first fruits. And God said, I can't accept that. So we need to understand this principle of first. So here's the point number three. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. And here's the simple reason why the tithe must be first, because it belongs to God. And God's always first. Firstborn belongs to God. First fruits belong to God. Tithe belongs to God. I'll show you the scripture. This is just one. You don't have enough time to go into this, you know, in, a, in just one, you know, 35-minute message, okay? Number three, the tithe must be first. Leviticus 27.30, and all the tithe of the land. Do you all know what the Hebrew word for all means? Uh, all. Okay. Um, <clears throat> And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the tree of the land or of the fruit of the tree, watch these three words. It's so akin to the other three words we looked at, is the Lord's. It's the Lord's property. It belongs to the Lord. It's set apart for the Lord. All the tithe of the land, by the way. Not part of it, all of it. It is holy. Again, the word holy means set apart to the Lord. Okay, so how does this work out that you give the first of your income to the Lord, the first 10%. The word tithe is a Hebrew word, which means 10th, okay? So how do you give the first 10%? So I, I, I'm going to give you an illustration, but it's a little bit of a math illustration, okay? That means that half of you are going to love this illustration, and half of you are, not, are going to hate this illustration. Half of the people love math, half people hate math, and by the way, they're married. So anyway... Um, <laughs> So, uh, I, I love math, and uh, this is going to, my father is actually a mathematical genius, certified mathematical genius, certified. And I, I'm not a mathematical genius, apparently it uh, skips a generation, but, um, <laughs> but I like math. And so, numbers actually add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. They just, I just add it in my mind, I don't even try to, but they just do, they just, it just happens to me, okay? And so, one time, Debbie and I were buying something, it was $7.99. And uh, the lady said, I'm going to have to figure the tax on the calculator because the cash register is broken. And I said, immediately, it'll be 66 cents. And she looked at me for a moment, and then she did her little thing. She said, it'll be 66 cents. <laughs> and I said, okay. So paid it. We went out and we got the car. And Debbie said to me, how do you do that? Now, guys, listen to me because I'm, I'm going to help you right now, Okay. When your wife asks you how you do something, she doesn't care how you do it. <laughs> She's just kind of stroking your ego, just kind of helping you like, honey, you're smart. You're a smart person, you know. But I thought that she was asked, she, she said, how do you do that? So I thought she was asking me mathematically, how do you do that? So I told her, I said, well, sugar, 
Um, our, our tax rate is 8.25, 799 is close to 8, 8 times 8 is 64, quarter of 8 is 2, 64 plus 2 is 66. I said that should happen in less than a second in your mind. She said to me, it doesn't. And then she said, but I know what 25% off means. I thought she was still talking about math. <laughs> By the way, guys, they're not talking about math when they talk about 25% off. So I, said, I, so I said to her, okay, if you're buying something for $100 and it's 25% off, what does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. <laughs> then she said to me, I promise, then she said to me, and if it's 50% off, it's free. What? And then she does like this. Like, I don't understand math. She goes, <laughs> She said, Robert, everybody knows if it's 50% off, it's the same thing as buy one, get one free. So if it's 50% off, it's free. And then, and then she said, and it's 75% off? You're making money. <laughs> Which explains some difficulties we've had through the years. Okay, but, okay, here's the point. So I'm going to give you a math illustration, but it won't last long for those of you who don't like math. Okay, all right. Let's say that you have a landscape company, and I ask you to plant some bushes and trees and things in our yard or our garden and things. And so you, you say, okay, Pastor Robert, here's the estimate for my work. It's going to cost this much in materials, this much in labor, and my profit will be $1,000, okay? I'll use dollars rather than pounds for a moment. $1,000, okay? Now, the reason I'm saying that is someone even asked me after the first service, uh, do you tithe on everything? No, you only tithe on your profit, your income, your increase is what the Bible says. So you would only tithe on the $1,000. So at the end of the job, I pay you, you know, for all your materials, all your labor, and then I give you 10 $100 bills. So you have $1,000 in your hand, you have 10 $100 bills. So two questions. Uh, the tithe is 10%, so you have 10 $100 bills. So this is the math part, so some of you can just take a break for a moment. So, but how, you have $1,000, how much is the tithe? $100. You can see it's not as strong. Other people are like, I carry the zero. Okay, all right, so that's okay. That's okay, though. You're smart, much smarter than I am in other areas, you know. It's okay. So, all right, so it's $100, but which, you have 10 $100 bills in your hand, so which one is the tithe? It's the first one, right. But how do you know which one's the first one? Listen to me. It's the first one that leaves your hand. That's the first one. For instance, if you go home and say, let me set aside some for the house and some for the car and some for groceries and some for clothes and some for food, and God hears your part. That's not God's part. You gave God's part to the house, and the house does not have the power to bless your finances. Only God's part. The first part is the redemptive portion. And it redeems the other nine. Some people do this. Let me set aside some for this and some for this and some for this and some for this. Oh, there's not enough leftover to give to God. It's exactly what Cain did. He gave his leftovers to God. God confirms it in another verse. He said, you bring me lame animals and blind and maimed animals. And here's what he says really clearly. I do not accept them. I do not accept them. 
So how does this work out practically? I get paid on the 15th and the 30th. It automatically goes in my account. You know, it's just automatic like some of you maybe. And I do my banking online. So on the 15th and the 30th, when I'm having my quiet time, I go online in the morning and I immediately send the tithe to the church. Now for me, uh, I'm going to tell you something God required, or not required, asked Debbie and me to do 30 years ago. We started doing it, and I share it because he's asking some other people to do it as well. Uh, we double tithe. So immediately when we get paid, the first 20% is returned to the church, okay? So I go online and I do it. So that the reason I do it is it's the first that leaves my account. Okay, but what if, um, let's say I don't have my quiet time. Sometimes pastors don't. I'm sure Pastor Dave always does. Sometimes pastors don't. So let's say a pastor gets busy and I get busy. I don't have a quiet time and I jump on a plane. I go speak somewhere. I get back that night and I think, oh, it's the 30th and I got paid. I didn't do the tithe today. And let's say I go online and I notice that Debbie has gone to the grocery store that day. I don't say, oh, that's great, sugar. We're cursed. (laughs) We're cursed. You you gave the part of the tithe to the grocery store. And so for two more weeks, we're cursed. No, and God doesn't say that. God is not a legalistic God, by the way. He's a principled God, but he's not legalistic. Here's what I do. It's God knows it's my heart. And so I'm not trying to print some, I'm not trying to print something legalistic today. I'm asking you, who's first in your heart? In your heart. And and you say, well, why you're but you're tying it to, to finances. No, I'm not tying it to finances. Jesus did. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart, and here's what I love about it, will be also. In other words, it might not even be there now but it will be if you'll put your treasure there. Okay, so let me read you one more passage out of Exodus 13, and then we're finished. Exodus 13, uh, look at verses. This is, remember, about the firstborn, verse 14 and 15. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? In other words, why are you killing these animals, Dad? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Notice this word bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, or this is the reason, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb and all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay, so think about this, all right? Uh, uh, the, the little boy runs in and says, Mom, Dad, the sheep is having a lamb and it's her firstborn. And so the whole family runs out to the barn and the father grabs a butcher knife on the way. And they gather around and they say, oh, look. Oh, look at the little lamb. Oh, he's standing up. He's standing up. Yeah, yeah. And then the father grabs the lamb by the hind legs and cuts its throat. And the little boy's watching this. Now, you know what the little boy's thinking, don't you? Uh, uh, Don't mess with dad. (laughs) I don't know what that lamb did, but I'm never going to do that. And as he grows up, every firstborn, the dad kills. Everyone. And so he's thinking, what's the deal? So then he goes away to college, university, comes back, and he's, uh, the dad says, hey, you got your degree now. Why don't you take over the books? So he's in one day, and he's got the books in front of him. He's doing the books. Father comes in from the field, and the son says, uh, hey, dad, uh, sit down a minute. Um, you know, you asked me to go over the books, and, um, well, there's something, Dad, I want to talk to you about. Um, you, you don't have that knife with you? You don't have the butcher knife? Okay, okay. Um, <clears throat> Dad, um, uh, every time one of our animals um, has a firstborn, you, um, how shall I say this, uh, kill it. 
and um, um, Dad, you, you killed 73 animals last year. This is cutting into our profits. And I just want, you know, Dad, we all have blind spots. You know, Dad, I'm just, just not, not criticizing. Um, just wondering, um, why, why do you kill these animals? That we just read he, where God said, your son's going to ask you about this. It's normal. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you ask your father, why are you killing all these animals? He said, when he does, you tell him, uh, son, there's something about our family that you don't know. We weren't always in the ranching business. We didn't own land, son. We didn't own animals. As a matter of fact, we were owned. We were slaves. We were in bondage, and we could not get out of bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed us and gave us everything we have now. Therefore, we gladly give to God the first of all of our increase. Now, this was written 4,000 years ago, over 4,000 years ago. Okay, this happened to me almost identically. Years ago, I was paying the bills, and back then we had checks. We didn't, we didn't do it online. Uh, for some of you younger people, we used to have pieces of paper. They, call, they were called checks. We didn't, we'd, plastic was not invented. We rode to school on dinosaurs at that time. So, um, but, so I would always write the tithe check first, and then I'd settle over to the side. And then I would pay the rest of the bills. But I always wrote the tithe check first, settle over to the side to take to the church for the offering. Always wrote it first. Once the Lord showed me this revelation. So it's sitting over here. I'm, I'm paying the bills. My oldest son comes in, my firstborn, sees the amount, has this math mind, you know, that my, grandfather, my father has, his grandfather. And all of a sudden he says, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remembered Exodus chapter 13. And I took my son and I sat him on my lap, and he still remembers this to this day. And I said to him, Son, um, There's something about your daddy that you don't know. But your daddy wasn't always a Christian. And I hate to even tell you this, son, but your daddy was a very bad man. He was very bad. And your daddy couldn't get free. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered your daddy and has given your daddy everything that we have now. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all that I have. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And the reason I'm asking you to close your eyes is so you can have a moment alone with God. I don't want to manipulate you. I promise you. That's not the reason I came. I want to help you. I just want you to say to the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? Just in your heart. Just ask him. Let God direct it to you. Not, not me. Let God direct it. Just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? And some of you have struggled with tithing for years. 
And please, I don't want you to feel bad. Do not feel bad because, listen, I have struggled in some areas that you probably haven't even struggled with. So we're all humans. We all struggle. So just because you struggle in this area does not make you a bad person at all or that you love the Lord less. You know, you know the number one reason people tell me that they don't tithe, number one, is not they don't believe in it. It's really not. The people, they say, Pastor, I just can't afford to tithe. I would love to tithe if I could. I can't afford to tithe. Please hear me as a pastor. I've been doing this for 35 years now. Please hear me. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because tithing is what breaks the curse. <laughs> and it rebukes the devourer. The devourer. In other words, every time you start to get ahead, something else will break. And if you'll think about it, you, you realize that. That's happened before. That's the devourer. Tithing is what rebukes the devourer. And, and you might need to take some financial classes. In a way, it's like the church says, you know, hey, everybody tithe, and then they don't teach on uh, financial classes how to handle your money. It's kind of like saying that we want everybody to drive, and they don't have driving classes. Well, Kingsgate is not a church like that. We will teach you. We'll teach you. If you need to learn how to handle finances, how to get on a budget, and things like that, and don't feel bad about taking the classes because everybody needs to learn. So we just have to learn. So I, I'm asking you to do whatever it takes to put God first in every area of your life, including your finances. And let the church help you. We want to help you. So will you make a commitment? Every person here, every person, will you make a commitment that you're going to put God first in every area of your life today, including your finances? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll take the word today and cause it to take root deeply in our hearts and bear fruit for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.